Well, good morning to you. My name's Peter. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, we are going to open our Bibles today. So if you do not have a phone to read your Bible on, or you don't have a, what in old school terms we call a book, it has an out, outside cover and then it has paper pages. If you don't have one of these and you would like to have a Bible to read along with today, will you raise your hand so that the ushers can get you one and leave it up until they get it to you. And um, they are going to get that to you. So leave your hands up and we'll get you the Bible. Um, We are in a series called, and, and kind of really looking at this year, looking at what we believe God wants to do in and through us. And therefore, we want to chase after it. Um, For the ushers, we got three Bibles over here in section one. If you don't know, this is section one. Can I hear it for section two? Don't forget section three. Nice. Okay, section one. I didn't allow you guys to shout. Section one. Yeah. If I was more creative and pre-thought of it, we would do a wave and do a whole bunch of things, but we're good. We're just going to start slow. We're just going to start with a little shouting. So we're focusing on his kingdom come, his will be done, and being set apart. We want God's kingdom to come in our life. We want God's kingdom to come in our country. We want God's kingdom to come in all of our circumstances. We want to get to God's kingdom. It's about God's kingdom. It's about the kingdom of heaven. And we want his will to be done. How many of you have a will? You have hopes, dreams, things you want to see happen. That's great. Keep those things spinning. It's good. It's healthy. But ultimately, we want to submit those to God. And we want his will to be done, not our will. Not my will, but his will to be done. And for that to happen, we got to be set apart. He's called us to be set apart. Which means we look a little different than if we just were ourselves. We look a little different than maybe our neighbors. We look a little different than maybe our coworkers or our classmates because as we separate ourselves, we begin to reflect him. We allow him to come change us and we begin to be set apart. So part of what we're doing this year is we're doing a one chapter a day, 365 reading plan. Um, If you didn't get one of those cards last Sunday, you can get one on the way out. Now, I need to be humble, take ownership, and clearly say if you were here last Sunday or you streamed the service, I said that we would send out a digital copy. Did anybody hear me say that? Okay, well, I just want to admit, and I'm practicing this for my own marriage, I was wrong. And I did not send that out. That isn't the office's bad. Mark actually created it. Brittany actually sent me a reminder. I did not send it out. So if you need to write hate mail um, or you want to, yes, that's to me. I'm the one that didn't do that. Starting later today, what we'll be doing is we'll be posting, or I'm sorry, we'll do it on Mondays. I don't want to have to have something else I got to repent of next week is we'll actually just put up a slide in the City Harvest Weekly that will have the next seven to eight days of reading. Number one, that way it's more legible because it's a smaller amount of information, so you can actually look at it that way. Um, And that way you can kind of see it, okay, that's what's for this week. So anyway, but if you want to get one of the cards, 
You can get one on your way out at either the family lobby or here at the, um, the front entrance there and get that. Also, we're slowing down and going through a book called Starving. Now, that doesn't mean that you're actually going to starve. Anybody here? In, never mind. But <laughs> what it is, is it's about us slowing down and setting ourselves apart and allowing God to come and change the way we think, to allow God to come and change the way we act. Um, has anybody here ever, uh, you, you've, you've ever fasted, maybe you fasted like me, and you set out and you're like, man, I'm gonna do this and it's gonna be amazing. I mean, God and I are gonna be tight and I mean, I'm gonna be communicating with him, he's gonna be communicating with me, I'm gonna walk out of this different, and about eight hours in, you're grumpy, you're ticked off, and basically you feel like all you're doing is starving for Jesus. Anybody ever done that? And you just have a bad mood. You're actually worse off than you were before. What I love about this book that we're going through is it takes us step by step, and we're gonna start it tomorrow, and my hope, my prayer, is that we all do this. The book, you can get it in the lobby on your way out. Um, they cost us $15. And if you want to offset that cost, you can do that by giving to offerings, either um, in the boxes in the back, or you can do that online. But we don't want money to be the thing that stops you. If you only have 50 cents, grab a book. You don't have any money to give, grab a book. You have a little extra money to give, sponsor a couple books. The idea isn't how much money comes in for the books. The idea is that each one of us gets this and we go through it. Now, I wanna tell you, when you go through it, a third of you are gonna think that the way he writes is just magical. It just speaks right to your mind and right to your heart. A third of you are gonna, you don't care, you just read. Another third of you are gonna be like, this is the most annoying literature ever. And his examples, they just don't click. Can we move beyond that and look to the content and look beyond the writer and their voice and look to, Lord, what are you trying to say to me in this? Does that make sense? Yeah. So make sure you grab one of these. It's gonna take us step by step for the next 21 days, and I believe if we do, and we really go after it, and not just look, eh, do I like this, do I not? But we go into it with all of our heart, I believe God is gonna change each one of us, and he's gonna change the way we look, and therefore he's gonna change the way our church looks, and therefore he's gonna change our influence in the way we can glorify him and affect others for his kingdom. So grab that, uh, it'll be good. Um, also wanna remind you, every Tuesday we have breakthrough prayer from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. You can come in here and, um, and pray. We post the, the contending and the releasing list um, on the realm, and that also goes into your email so that uh, you can pray along with that if you're not able to make it. But even if you can only come in for five minutes, you can come in for 15 minutes. We like to just fill this place with prayer and really put a stake in the ground that we are gonna contend for things. We're gonna believe for the impossible. We're not just gonna say, oh, that person's in the hospital. Oh, that person needs a job. I guess, you know, God's will be done. He's gonna do it. No, let's believe. And let's pray for others the way we would hope when we're in those situations, people would be praying for us. I pray a lot different when I think about how would I want people to be praying for me when I'm in this situation. And so really going after it in that way. Okay, the next four weeks, 
We're going to be going through the Lord's Prayer. Uh, anybody here ever recite the Lord's Prayer growing up? Uh, even now, you, you, you have the Lord's Prayer. Um, but we're going to go through it in reverse order. I'm left-handed, so I do everything backwards. Um, and so we're going to go through it in reverse order, which means we're going to start at the bottom of it or the end of it, and we're going to work our way through. Um, but we're going to look at it, and as we go through it, we're also going to be looking at what's coming up in the starving book, in this book, what's coming up in the next week. So Monday through Sunday, what are we going to be getting in this, and how does that tie into the Lord's Prayer? So we normally aren't putting scriptures up on the wall because we want to actually bring our own Bibles. We actually want to turn the pages, open them up, and read them. But I'm breaking the rule and I don't have to apologize for it because this is actually part of the series title. Okay? Does that make sense? So um, here we go. Let's, can we read this together? Now this is Jesus and he's telling his disciples, this is how you should pray. Now, I think there's a little bit of a hint in there, but I'll let you dwell on it. But Jesus is telling his disciples, this is how you, maybe us too, I don't know, that's to each his own, this is how we should pray. So it says this, and we're going to do this together. Ready? We're going to pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, I believe if we, there are some really important elements in this. What isn't important is that you actually recite this every day. That's not, that's not where the gold is. That's not where, where, like I said last week, the silver is. I'm more of a silver guy than a gold guy. I believe that heaven is going to have redwood trees and granite and slate, a tad bit of marble just so it has that classic look, some subway tiles, but a lot of silver, okay? But what's amazing about this and what's good about it is what each thing represents. So when we go through and we're saying our Father in heaven, just that alone, what that declaration means, and then to sit on that and to pray into that and to declare it in our hearts. But so this last part is what we're going to look at. Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, and don't let us yield to temptation but rescue us from the evil one. You know, when you yield, um, how many drivers are out there? Um, you know, just a little pet peeve is, uh, have you guys ever heard of zippering when you drive? just want to encourage you that when you're in the yield lane, uh, what you do is you accelerate if you're coming onto the freeway to the speed of the other cars in the freeway. And what you do is you find an opening and you zipper yourself right in with the flow of traffic. There'll be way less accidents and way less people flipping people off. Okay, we're just going to change society. If we could just learn how to zipper, 
the anger in the world, if there was like a, a meter, like if Santa had an anger meter, it would be going down just by learning how to zip her in. Instead of driving slow and then getting angry at the people that they didn't slow down. Ladies and gentlemen, they're on the freeway. It's their job just to continue. You're the one joining them, okay? Also, don't, yeah, amen. Also, don't stop. Because the people behind you, no, see, they're already, they went through driver's ed. They're preparing to zipper. And what they're doing is they're looking at the flow of traffic over their left shoulder, and they're wanting to see, okay, where do I need to go? When you just stop because you're nervous, number one, you can't zipper when you're stopped. And then you can't accelerate to the speed. Secondly, they're going to rear-end you. But maybe you want a new car, and one of the pities with driving is if you, get, if you rear in someone, it doesn't really matter what the circumstances are, you're wrong. Okay, got that taken care of. Whew. All right, in here we see two different parts. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. One part is to resist temptation. There's a part that we play in this that we have to resist it. We don't want to yield to it. We don't want to slowly merge. We don't want to zipper with temptation. We're not going in this this gradual thing of, oh, I can do a little more. I can do a little more. I'm just kind of getting in speed with it. It's okay. It's okay. It's not drastic. We don't want to merge. We don't want to yield. We don't want to give in. We don't want to join with. We don't want to become one with temptation. That's where you want to slam on the brakes check your shoulder real quick, flip a U-turn, and go the other direction and get out of there to where we don't yield to temptation. The other thing that's in here then, so there's a part that's really on us to not yield, but what we're doing is we're asking for God's help, his grace, his mercy, to help us not yield to it, to resist it. But the second part is to rescue us. There is a rescuing. What we're asking for is God rescue us from the evil one. Now, I've told you guys before, I don't like sci-fi movies. I don't like anything. I don't like horror movies. I don't like anything scary. I believe that we should just skip through life and have flowers and just, you know, be merry. But the reality is, is there is evil out there. And just because I don't think there is doesn't mean it goes away. It's kind of like the kid, you know, you put our eyes and you're like, you can't see me. You guys can't see me because I'm blocking my eyes. It doesn't, that doesn't mean it goes away. We need to be aware of it. Now, we also don't want to give it so much attention that we hide in fear. And it's like, oh my gosh, when's it going to come? What's going to happen? Is it, is it going to come for me? I read my Bible today. So am I, is, 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 is something going to happen? We don't live in fear. We stand victorious. We sing it because our God overcame. So we stand victorious, but there is something where we have to be in the balance of also acknowledging that there is evil. And there has to be a resisting, but there also has to be a rescuing. So let's look at um, two scriptures. Now, I'm going to ask three different people to just stand up, be bold, and read. Um, So if that's you, start telling yourself, I'm bold, I'm bold, I'm bold, I'm bold. And uh, start getting your voice ready so you don't crack Uh, As soon as we do this. All right. I need someone who will read Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 through verse 7. 
in your favorite translation. Anybody here? Genesis, okay, Pete Timmy. I shouldn't have said that because if I, but you're going to have to stand. Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. This was actually in this week's Bible reading, but you wouldn't know that because I didn't send it out. But um, it's only one chapter a day, so you're going to be able to catch up just fine. All right, you got it, Pete? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It is, its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So here you have Cain. He's having a bad day. He has a bad attitude, and he's upset about something. He doesn't like what's going on. Anybody here ever relate? Can you relate to Cain? Yes. I relate to Cain all the time. God sees him, and he's saying, why are you so angry? Why are you so upset? Why is this ticking you off so much? Why do you look so dejected? Why do you look so mad? Why is your, when I used to, when I was a kid, my lips have been the same size since I was like three years old. And I mean, my bottom lip would just hang. And I mean, it would just, it was obvious when I, I know you guys can't tell now if I'm bothered. My eyebrows have been the same bushiness since I was three years old, and my ears have stuck out since I was three years old. So I was a really cute kid. I mean, people said, you're going to go places, young man. But our faces tell something. And so, look at why do you look so dejected? But then he says this, he doesn't then discipline him and say, so therefore, because you're angry, because you look dejected, get out of here. He's trying to draw him into him. And he says, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if, and then he even gives the warning, if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Because sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. It's sitting there waiting for us. There is a highway... Like the song says, a highway to H-E double hockey sticks, okay? So there is a highway, and it is waiting for you to merge onto it. It is waiting for us to merge on. It is looking for us, but we have to subdue it because we're the one in that driver's seat. What we're asking God to do is to give us the strength, to give us the wisdom Newer cars now, if you get too close to the car in front of you, it flashes red lights up on your, on your uh, windshield, a warning that you might be getting ready to, to um, rear in someone. For you, quite a few years, there's been the little warnings in the mirrors that if you turn your blinker on, and there's, or even if that's not on, and a car's in your blind spot, it gives you a warning. We want Holy Spirit to give us those warnings to show us where, when we're in a danger zone but says you must subdue it and be its master. So to subdue, we have to let go and give up our right. So a lot of times what we see is we see this thing of almost like it's egging us on, like it's trying to tempt us. Like, come on, just, just come on to the freeway. Come on to the freeway. But many times what it is, it's actually our own mind and it's our own attitude. That's what we have to subdue. We're not just saying, no, I'm not going to go to that place. I'm not going to go that fast. I'm not going to do this. What we're actually saying no to is what's going on in here. 
what we're longing for or what we believe we have the right to, what we feel justified about. In the book on day five, what you're going to be reading here in a couple days, he says, most of our grumbling is aimed at either circumstances or people. Either a circumstance has disappointed or a person has disappointed or a person has created a disappointing circumstance. Leads to grumbling. And grumbling affects, it is, it is the food to what evil wants to do. Complaining. Because it shifts our attitude. It takes our eyes off of thanksgiving. It takes our eyes off of appreciation of what God has done. And we start looking at our current circumstances and we grumble about it. We complain about the people. We get frustrated about things. There might be truth in why we're frustrated. But the attitude in which we go about it is important. That's the thing that was going on with Cain. It was his attitude. It was his way of perspective, of looking into it, which then began to fester. And what God was saying is if you're not careful, what is currently festering inside of you is going to lead to destruction. But you can subdue it and come and find life. All right, I need two more readers. We're going to be reading now. So that was looking at subduing, resisting. Now we're going to look at God rescuing us from evil. Uh, two readers, one to read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13. Do I have a volunteer? Jack. I mean, you're kind of double dipping. You also were playing on the stage. Is everybody okay with Jack doing two things in the service at the same time? Okay. All right, Jack. So you're going to do Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13. Then I need someone else to do Ephesians chapter 6 once Jack is done. And you're going to go 14 through 18. Anybody else? Okay, Rebecca, you got it. All right, Jack, stand up. Fill this room with your voice. Okay. And the word of God, obviously. <laughs> Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the world powers of darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist, resist in the evil day, and having prepared everything, to take your stand. Standing your ground, putting on the belt of truth, and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil, put on the salvation as their helmet, and take your sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and in every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me. Ask God to give me right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plans. That the good news is for the Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. So here we see where he's giving instructions. He's saying, hey, bad things are going to take place. And it's not just looking to one day. When is that one day going to come? You and I are experiencing that day. 
Those days are here. They've been here. We are being encouraged to armor up. Because it's saying things are going to take place. Things come to attack our thinking. I'm not just talking about lust or, or anger. But it comes to bring doubt. Things come to affect our heart. And, and our belief of who we are in Christ. What Jesus has done for us. Comes to say, you know what? I know you went forward that one day to that altar call. I know you were at that youth camp and you got really excited. I know your coworker and you sat down and, and you prayed and you said, I want to serve Jesus. But you know what? I don't think you were real. I, I don't think you've really done that. It comes to bring doubt. We don't think if, if we walk... We don't feel like we actually have the, the authority in, in, in Christ in us. We see someone else that walks in gifting and we think, man, that person, they're just skilled. They always know what to say right in the, in the right moment. Their voice is just perfect. They always have wisdom that comes out. But we downplay us. But we're supposed to walk in who Jesus says you are and who he says I am. We're supposed to have the sword of the spirit, which is a dagger. That we have the word in our heart, just like Jesus did when, when he was tempted during his fast. He had the word, and that's what he used to fight it off. What Jesus didn't do, and I totally believe in community groups, and here, I don't know, I'm going to probably be upset that I did this. But in February, we're going to launch community groups. But what Jesus didn't do when he was getting attacked is make a mental note that I got to wait till next week when I get to community group and I need to say, will someone pray for me? I'm being attacked. What did he do? He started quoting scripture. He started saying, this is what Jesus, this is, this is what the word says. This is what the prophets have said. This is the word of God. And he declared it. There's nothing wrong with us getting people around us. That's why we have prayer teams or we'll sometimes raise our hand and have people get around. But you know what? Each one of us has the ability to pull out a sword, an offensive weapon, and fight off whatever's coming against us by standing upon the word of God. But we can't stand upon something that we don't have in us. And it's not in us. Even if we just read it, that doesn't mean it's in us. We have to meditate on it. We have to really eat it. We have to process it. We also, we have to allow it to come and change the way you and I think, the way we act. We have to submit ourselves to it. Then what we have is a weapon. We then have something that we can fight things off because we're standing in who God says we are. So we want to resist. We want to not, we want to pray for God to come and strengthen us, give us wisdom, give us his grace to, to be able to notice, to be aware of an attitude we have or something going on inside of us to be able to go the other direction. But we also want to be aware that we put on the armor of God. And we'll look more into that of what each piece represents and what that looks like at a, at a later time. But what I can tell you right now is it comes down to get the word inside of you. Believe that God has called you and when you go, he goes with you. Yes. Believe that if you have submitted your life to Jesus and you say, I want to make you the leader of my life. I want to turn from my selfishness. God, I want, to, I, want to, I want to surrender to you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Will you forgive me? That then you stand in his presence. And don't let something come and whisper and, and, and pull you away from that. And you stand confident in who he says.
In the book, it also talks about, it starts out talking about Joshua. They're just like we left off in our, in our other series. And Moses has died, and, and they're getting ready to cross the river. And, and Joshua, and through that whole time, God is now speaking to Joshua and saying, you're going to lead. But part of what he's also saying is that his plan hasn't changed just because the leadership changed. His plan stays the same. There was also a part in there where it talks about how what was promised now needed to become their experience. There was a promised land that was promised to them. But they actually had to move forward to actually experience the promised land. The same is true for you and I, especially right here in City Harvest today. Just because there's been a transition from Bob and Sue to Tamar and I, we've said this over and over, doesn't change the call of God on the church. The call of God on City Harvest doesn't change with who leads it or who the lead pastor is. The personality, the way I talk is different than Bob. But God's heart for what he wants to do in and through us is consistent. But here's the deal, just because a word has come and there's a promise that's made to what he wants to do here. We want to go beyond it just being a promise. We want to go to where it's an experience. But just like the Israelites, we have to cross over and we have to take that ground. There's effort that has to go into it. There's being set apart that has to go into it. To really stand in what God wants to do. If we really want to see his kingdom come. And his will be done. To where it goes from knowledge to experience. And we're going to look at these. Because one of the things that we want to do is we want to commit to moving closer to Jesus. That's why we're doing this. We're committing to move closer to Jesus. Regardless of where you are. Maybe you walked in today and you have no relationship with Jesus, but you're listening to the songs being sung. You were reading the words and something was pulling inside of you. Maybe you've been serving God for years, regardless of where we are right at this moment. Let's make a commitment to move closer to God. To do that, let's slow down. Our lives are busy. Our lives are frantic. We got to slow down to give God room, to give him space to where we can actually hear what he is saying to us. We have to resist impulse that we don't just go with whatever we feel in the moment. That's one of the reasons that you do fast. It's to to show that we show ourselves that we can't actually resist. This book starts out with just asking you to drink more water which means you're going to drink a little less of whatever else you typically drink. Then a couple days later, it's going to ask you to stop eating sugar. I tell you what, if I just want to stop eating sugar, I never have an issue. As soon as I mentally say that I'm doing it for a fast, I woke up in the morning. I typically don't eat breakfast. I drink coffee and then I'll eat lunch. I woke up and I had had a ton of sugar the night before. I go to bed, I wake up and at seven in the morning, my body's freaking out that it needs sugar. That never happens. But it's just because I'm starting to say I'm not going to eat sugar today. We got to resist the impulses. We got to be vigilant. We have to understand that there is evil. 
And evil does want to derail you and I. But it doesn't just look like, can evil kill us? Can evil take us out? It looks like, can evil get us to get discouraged? Can evil get us to start complaining about circumstances? Can evil get us to start gossiping? Can evil get us to start grumbling? Again, it's sometimes it's not even in the circumstance we're looking at. It's about the way we go about it. And it spreads like a disease. I believe there is nothing that will keep us back from being all that God wants us to be more than complaining, grumbling, gossiping in a critical spirit. More than anything else. We want to point to finances. We want to point to communication. I know you guys all love the realm. Um, we want to point to all these different things. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the way we see things, just like Cain. And I believe God is looking at each one of us. And he's asking us to be careful. He's asking us to look at the way we process. And he's giving us a choice to run into him or a warning that this thing will take over us. I believe he's also given us means so that we don't have to hide in fear. He gave us an armor to wear, but that means we have to know what the armor is and we have to take action and actually put it on. And that way we can go from what is in our minds, the knowledge, and we, it can become an experience in our lives. Will you stand to your feet? If you're able. One of the greatest ways to subdue and resist, this is in this week, is to give thanks. Because when we're critical, it becomes our distraction. Have you ever had something going on with someone and you sent them a text or they sent you a text? If you have an iPhone, you're just waiting to see the little bubbles. Like, are they gonna, are they reading it? Are they gonna respond? What are they gonna say? Any of you ever actually didn't misread the text? I forget, something's popping up in my mind, but I actually don't remember the details. It's probably good, because I'd probably say them if I did remember them. But I remember this, I mean, I, I read the thing, and I'm thinking about how I'm gonna reply, and I paused. A couple minutes later, I go back and reread it. It did not say at all what I thought it said. I was so amped up anticipating what was going to happen. It becomes a distraction. But to give thanks, it changes our attitude. It's us going to the, ther the therm thermostat. We're changing the temperature. We're saying, no, it's not going to be like this. It's going to be like this. The other thing is to declare scripture. If Jesus declared scripture, you and I should be declaring scripture. I'm not saying walking around like holier than thou and you're just declaring, you know, you're in the shopping store and this, this. I mean, if God tells you to do it, do it. It's, it's about though, when something comes to doubt you, something comes to attack you, we stand in the knowledge of who Jesus is. We stand in the knowledge of who he says we are. So uh, ushers, if you'll, sorry, I delayed you. If you'll come and prepare communion, we're going to sing a song, and as we do, I just want to invite you to come up when you feel ready.
and grab the communion elements. What are those elements? It's a cracker and it's juice. Why cracker, why juice? Well, the cracker represents the broken body of Jesus. The juice represents his shed blood, the life, his life. He was broken and lifeless for you and I so that we could receive life. He told us to do this in remembrance of him. Not as just a spiritual ritual, not as just something to, to look religious, but we are supposed to do it in remembrance of him. So what's that mean for you and I? It means that as we do it, we remember his sacrifice. But we also stand in confidence in what that sacrifice does for you and I. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you that this is an amazing moment to do it. To come up and grab these elements and say, Jesus, I want to believe that despite the family I was born into, despite what's taken place in my life, despite the bad choices I've made, that I can come before you. And today, I want to say I'm sorry. Today, I want to repent, meaning I want to stop going one direction and I want to turn and go another direction. And I want to submit my life to you. And as I take this cracker and as I take this juice, I'm accepting your forgiveness. I'm accepting your lordship in my life. And I stand in confidence in it. But also that as you come up and you listen to this song, that you think about this. How is God wanting you to commit to moving closer to him? How's he drawing you in? How might he ask you to slow down? To give more room for him. We give a lot of room to a lot of other things. What impulses is he maybe asking you to resist? Maybe permanently or maybe just for a little bit of time. How can you be more vigilant and see what's going on? And how can you take where you a lot of times grumble or where you complain or you go to gossip and how can you turn from that and begin to practice Thanksgiving so that the next time someone bothers you and you want to complain about it, instead you find something to thank God in that person's life or in that circumstance. So let the team just kind of, they're going to sing this song. You pray that. When you're ready, you come up. You grab the elements. You take them on your own. This is between you and God. And you pray about these. And you settle something inside of you of what God is trying to do.